Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, we're going to talk this morning and spend a few weeks talking about manifesting Holy Spirit power. So, kind of what started all this for me is that I... um, most of you know that Johnny and I went, uh, when was it, March? Went to uh, Modesto, California. We uh, spent a few days volunteering at Mario Morello's Living Proof Crusade. And so I guess when I went down there, I was, I was just praying and trying to hear from the Lord. What do you, why am I going down here? Why am I going down here? I never heard a word. Now, Johnny, he knew why he was going. He was going down to pray for people. And so, but I just, just like, well, Lord, why, why you got me going? And I never really got an answer until I got home. <laughs> and then I realized that, and that the reason the Lord sent me down there was not for me to receive anything, so to speak. But he sent me there to look and watch and observe And what it did was it created a hunger in me uh, to see what I saw there, to see it here. Uh, To see the power of God moving here like I saw it there. Uh, Saw saw some some really neat stuff. I mean, stuff that you don't see every day. But I am convinced of this, that uh, God doesn't live in Modesto, California. And we can all say thank you for that. But power is something that it's at one time or another in your life, everybody is after. I don't care who you are. You want to be influential. You want to have power. I think that's uh, why people are so enamored with superheroes. <laughs> who hasn't thought about how cool it would be to be one of the Avengers, huh? But it's, it's not the power, per se, that, that, well, it is. I want to talk about, here's something I've come to understand. That all the power that I need to live godly and to live in the fullness of the Spirit has already been created. It's already been spoken. Do you realize that every problem that has ever existed or will ever exist before time began. Every issue for every person, every problem, every circumstance for every person that ever existed and will ever exist before the foundation of time, God saw and he spoke and he created the solution, the answer to everything. Now, if that don't fry your circuit, Think about it now. The power has already been spoken. The solution has already been given. The release is where the issue is. The activation of that is where the issue is. I've I've spent a lot of time reading about great men of God, uh, men like Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, uh, William Branham, 
And sometimes you can read so much that it gets frustrating. Because you're thinking, what am I not doing right here? What am I not doing according to what I should be doing? And instead of creating a hunger in us for it, in my case anyway, it created a frustration because I thought, God, I can't get there. I can't. They're, 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 they're here. I'm here. I don't know how to get there. And honestly, I've, I've learned more about this in the last few months. I've, I've, I've really been on, a, on, a, on an adventure to, to find out how. Guys, this morning, everything, every ounce of power that you need to live, a life that is victorious, a life that just gives the devil fits, is already inside of you. It's already there. It exists. We have to get to the place where we understand how to activate it, how to get it. See, Everything that God's spoken, every promise, and, and, and some of this is going to do like you did with me. It's going it's, it's to test your, to see <laughs> how much of your natural man still in charge. But every promise God has made for you has already been spoken. We already said it. It's there. It's in the realm of the supernatural. It's there. We have to come to the place where we understand how to reach into the supernatural and bring that into reality because that's what God wants. In all reality, we're not physical beings. We are spiritual beings. We are supernatural beings. And that's where God would rather have us dwell is there than here. And we used, there, people used to use this term, and I thought, well, it's really a dumb, dumb thing to say that someone was so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. Number one, I've never met anybody like that. <laughs> Number two, if you're heavenly-minded, you're going to be earthly good. I understand the, the context that they were making it in, but it just never made any sense to me. How can you be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good? If you're heavenly minded, you're going to be living like Jesus. You're going to have him alive and, and driving, and he is going to be what drives you. you got to hurry. I'm going to keep this. I've tried, I'm going to try and stay in my lane today. So um, Dale's going to be, he's going to be ministering to us guys on, on, on the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to say a whole lot about the Holy Spirit except to say this. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. He is a person. He exists. He is there. He is the third member of the, of the Godhead. And I think in our day and age, and, 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 and we're starting to come out of it, but we've treated the Holy Spirit like he was a family idiot, relegated to a back room, not to, not to bring him out in the open for fear that we'll, he'll embarrass us or that we'll be embarrassed by him. But that's not God's plan. The Holy Spirit is the one who lives inside of us. He's the one who directs us. He's the one who guides us. He's the one who watches over us. He's the one who speaks to us. And so uh, we're going to kind of use as a cornerstone 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. 
And I'm sure it's a, it's a familiar portion of Scripture to you. Paul's talking about his ministry. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. And uh, this is what it says, if I can find it here. He said, am I... Starting in verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I like the way the New, the new Century uh, Version says it this way. My teaching and preaching were not with words of human wisdom that persuades men, but with proof of the power that the Spirit gives. This was so that your faith would be in God's power and not in human wisdom. The Amplified says it this way, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom using clever rhetoric, but they were delivered in demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and his power that stirs the minds of listeners and persuades them. So, Paul's making something clear here. He said, every bit of preaching that I do, everything I speak... I'm not speaking with enticing words that are going to persuade you. But my goal is that you see the demonstration of the power of God through me, working through me. And that's got to be our goal, as, as not just as a preacher, but as a Christian. To be able to see the power of God being manifested through us. It does no God, good for us to receive the power of God if it doesn't manifest through us out here. So we're going to spend some time, I want to spend some time today just talking a little bit about power. And uh, I've actually used, I've got two notebooks here. One, I've, I've used two references, uh, the book of Acts, because that's where the Lord's Holy Spirit showed me and wanted me to go back to. He said, you want to figure out how to get it activated, go back to the book of Acts. And then a, a book that I picked up of Smith Wigglesworth called Manifesting the Power of God. And so I've been, I, I started out using one notebook and then I couldn't figure out which would come from which, so I had, I had to split it up. But anyway, uh, I want us to read this morning Acts, in the book of Acts, Acts 1. And we're going to read from verse 3 to verse 8. And part of this we'll deal with next week. Uh, I'm going to get into um, preparation. How do we prepare to have the power of God activated in it? But I want to, there's some things in, in Acts 1 I want to, I want to cover this morning. And again, you got to remember, you know, there's, there's just things about this. This is, this is Jesus's uh, final instructions to his the people that were following him before he went to heaven. And so Acts 1, 3, 3 through 8 says this, And to him also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus has been with these people for 40 days, and he's been pouring the kingdom into them, pouring the kingdom into them. 
And being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, said, Lord, when will the time you restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you. We just ask, Lord, that you speak through us this morning. This is your word. I don't have to add anything to it. All I have to do is speak your word and speak what you've given to me. Holy Spirit, you will. You will manifest yourself through my voice this morning. You will speak and you will present this morning the things that you want presented. So I thank you for that. And I give you glory. Give us ears to hear this morning, Father. Amen. Okay, so Jesus tells them the last thing that he tells them is that you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost has come on you. Now, if you read that and literally translated, that means simply you're going to receive power, the Holy Spirit, when he comes on you. And so Jesus was giving them direction. So everybody talks about power. We talk about Holy Spirit power, Holy Ghost power. But do I, I thought today, well, the first thing, was, first thing that popped into my mind was, what is power? What does it do? What is it? And so I just took a, went to, and I Googled it. And power means it's a source of supply, a source or means of supplying energy, ability to act, or to produce effect. That's just the general definition of what power is. Now, when we talk about manifesting the power of God, the word manifest, uh, just the plain old everyday meaning of manifest means to make apparent to the sight or to understanding. Now, in the Greek, it means to make visible or known what has been hidden, manifest. In a lot of instances, you, the word revelation and manifest, they're, they're different words, but they're the same concept. Revelation, you're receiving. The word is apocalypsis. It's an unveiling, an opening. And so, actually, part of, when, part of the time when they use the word revelation, they're, they're using the word that is also used for manifest. And so, uh, A.W. Tozer said this, if God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what we're doing in our churches would go right on and nobody would know the difference. I do not, and this is great. He said, I do not believe in a repetition of Pentecost, but I do believe in the perpetuation of Pentecost. Huh? Isn't that good? And there is a vast difference between the two. A lot of times we've been built guilty of praying that God send us a, a new Pentecost, a new Pentecost. Well, guess what? You can pray for that till the cows come home, and it's not going to happen. That happened. God came. The Holy Spirit came. He, he manifested himself to us originally, 
And he's not going to come back and do that all over again, just like he's not going to go put himself back on the cross again and go through redemption again. This, this has been fulfilled. This is here. The receiving of the power of the Holy Spirit is, is available now. Now, we may need to have it perpetuated. We may need to have it ignited in us again. But God's not going to come back and do a Pentecost all over again. So we have to understand that, that what God does is, is, is a perpetual thing. He doesn't go back and do things over. Like, oh, man, that was a bad idea. Let's go back. Or, man, they forgot. we got to do it again. No. What he'll do is he'll manifest himself, and he may do it differently. And it may look different, but it is the same thing. It is the perpetuation of Pentecost. A.C. Dixon said this, when we rely on organization, we get organization. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on Holy Spirit, we get what God can do. Huh? Whew. That's good. That's good stuff there. So verse 8 is, after the message of the gospel, one of the foundation elements that the church would be built upon. That power would be seen in the ministry of the apostles. That power would change Peter from denier of Christ to declarer of Christ. It would change Paul from the persecutor of the faith to the proclaimer of the faith. The manifestation of that same power will be necessary and a foundational element in the great awakening we are starting to walk into. It's going to be a foundational part of what we walk in. It will manifest through those who activate the dunamis, which you all know what that is. I'm not going to take time to explain it. You all know dynamic power. That's what God's talking about. The dunamis, the dynamic power. So it's already been created, already been spoken into existence. The dynamic power that brings people to the cross, signs, wonders, miracles, and salvations cannot fully be manifested without that power. I might even go as far as to say you can't have them without the power. You can't have redemption without the power of God. You can't have signs and miracles and wonders without the power of God. If you do, it's fake, it's false, run for your life. So, they're going to be fully manifested in the power. And it, the power of God is going to be fully manifested through us. I, I, man, God opened something to me. and I, Man, I, oh, Lord. Remember when, when Jesus was working with, and he, he, he ministered to the, the man at the pool of Siloam. And he spit on the ground. And he made mud. And he put it on the man's eyes. There's another instance when God was dealing with a man who was dead, and Jesus put his finger in his mouth, and then he put his hand in. The... You ever wondered why he did that? Man, just odd, wasn't it? Until I, until, man, until Holy Spirit dropped this in me. What is in your saliva? Do you know what, what, what is it? DNA. you know what Jesus was doing? He was literally taking his DNA and putting it on the eyes of that blind man. He was literally taking his DNA and sticking it in the ears of that man. And it was the DNA of his father that was being pushed out of him into that. And that's what manifested the power. Whew. 
I'm going to be real careful here, and I'm trying trying to stay in my preaching as teaching lane here, and not get into the preaching part of it because that'll preach, right there. So God literally—that's literally what happens to us, guys. When we get saved, we get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are literally infused with the spiritual DNA of our Father. Man, you could almost get excited about that, huh? Oh, God's DNA, the creator of the earth, heavens and earth, his DNA, what makes him tick is in you. And that's what he is wanting to see us activate is his character, his nature, his power, his presence. What allowed the early church to grow and flourish was the manifestation of holy power that it had never witnessed. These guys, they had no clue what they were praying for and they were waiting for. They had no clue what was going to happen. Jesus just said, go do this, Terry. Holy Spirit's going to come. They had no idea what it was going to look like. They had no idea what was going to happen to them. But this was what would be the basis of them being able to go out. A power that was so evident that even the haters, the skeptics, the naysayers, and the religious spirit of the hour could not deny its existence. Go back and read in, in Acts when, when the apostles are standing before. I just read this again this week, and I, I just. But they, they, when they brought the, the, the lame man. And they brought him before the sand. Now, here's the, these guys had walked past this dude every day, going to be religious. And they had walked past him. And now here he is, standing on two sturdy feet in front of them. And it literally says that when they saw this, they could say nothing. There was nothing they could say, except don't do it anymore. That's all they could say. They could not deny that there was power released, that God had moved. They couldn't, they couldn't deny it. You want to know what's going to happen to us in this day and age when we fully start walking in this? People are going to see it. They may hate it. They may not like it. They may do everything. They scoff of it, but they will not be able to deny that's God. That's God. And the great part is that he wants to use us to manifest that. Here's what the Lord told me. He said, most of my church does not understand my power. Most of the church does not understand my power. And then he said this to me. They're like a kid with a stick of dynamite. And I thought, well, what do you mean? Now, here's the thing. You can take a kid, let's say Aiden here, and you can ask Aiden, Aiden, what do you know about dynamite? It's going to explode. That's truth, isn't it? That's the truth. Now, you can, you can theoretically give Aiden a stick of dynamite. <laughs> And he knows what to do with that. He knows you light, if you light it and you throw it, it's going to boom 
and it's going to make a hole, it's going to have some effect. But you take that same stick of dynamite and you give it to somebody who knows how to use it, knows where to place it, knows how to activate it, and they don't just make a hole, they bring a mountain down. Boy, that'll preach too. You get the Holy Ghost power and activate it in your life. You're not going to just make a lot of noise. You're not going to make just a, 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 a dent or an effect. You're going to bring down mountains. That's what the Word of God means when Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. You know, I, I think sometimes we get some, this goofy idea that that mountain just kind of floats up in the air and floats over to the sea and floats down. No, what God was talking about was the release of his power that absolutely, it doesn't just move that mountain. It eliminates that mountain. I'm going to say that again. You didn't get it. I'll try you guys over here. It doesn't just eliminate the mountain. It doesn't just make it out of, go out of the way. It destroys it. It Blows it up. Hallelujah. I, I'm trying real hard to stay out of but man, guys, this is so, this is so powerful. The key to fulfilling the Great Commission was the infilling of divine power. Without this enablement, they would only have been able to follow Jesus' example. I gotta get this. Without this power, they would only have been able to follow Jesus' example. But with it, Jesus could literally continue to do his work through them. I don't know about you, but that scripture when Jesus said, greater things than these are you going to do because I'm going to the Father, that has always just kind of messed with me. Because I think, you raised people from the dead. You fed 5,000 people with hardly anything, all of these things. But again, Holy Spirit opened this up to me. Why Jesus said this. Why he said he had to go away and the Holy Spirit had to come. And when that happened, we would do greater things than he did. Because when Jesus raised somebody from the dead in that time, that was just a temporary fix. That was just going to give them a temporary reprieve for what was going to happen. When Jesus healed somebody, that was just a temporary temporary effect. What do, you, what do you mean temporary, Mark? That means it was only going to last as long as they lived. You see, but what Jesus has done in him going away and the Holy Spirit's come, we don't just bring people back to life physically. But the Holy Spirit through us brings people back to life spiritually. They don't just get life for a little while. They get eternal life. When we pray for somebody to be healed, they don't just get the healing of the body, but they get the healing of the spirit too. Their hearts get healed. And this opens us up to me. I thought, yeah, I, 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 it's like the, the light bulb went on. Jesus knew what he was saying. He was saying, I'm a, I can only do because redemption hasn't come yet. I haven't gone to the cross. I haven't been to the cross yet. So the things I'm going to do are only going to go so far. But when the Holy Spirit comes, I am going to be able to 
work through you to make people different for eternity. I'm going to be able to change people eternally, forever. They won't have to worry about getting sick anymore. I am going to take the sin in their life, and I am going to take that away from them eternally, and I am going to make them a new creature in Christ. So, the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit's function is to provide power to witness. It's to be, provide us with the ability to be an example on the, of Christ on the earth. We, we literally become the representation of Christ. Paul said what? He said, you're an epistle. You're a letter written on the fleshy tablets of the heart. You're my letter to the world. You're my greeting to the world. You're the one that I will introduce myself to the world through. So, but this happens through manifestations, signs, wonders, miracles. The spirit of God that lives in this is the same spirit that was motivating Jesus. It imparts spiritual knowledge. It imparts understanding. It imparts wisdom. And it impels us towards holiness. Power doesn't come, now you got to get this, power does not come just to satisfy a curiosity. It doesn't come just so we get the experience of a thrill or a feeling. It comes. Those manifestations come for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to point people to Christ. I used to say that signs and wonders were not for the church. They prefer unbelievers. I've modified my stance on that. Signs and wonders are for us. If that's not the case, why when you see God break out, doesn't he break out in a restaurant? Why doesn't he break out in, I don't know, a department store? When God a lot of times chooses to manifest himself, where does he do it? Right here. Because he wants to get our attention. Sometimes we have to see the power of God to, get our, to rattle our cage a little bit and get our attention. Hey, remember who you're serving here. And then again, we get stirred up, and he uses those signs and wonders. Yeah, he used them for the unbeliever, to, to draw him to Christ, but he also does it so he can show us which, where, where he's going and where he wants to go. And he'll use signs and wonders for that purpose. It gets us out of the rut of timetables, schedules, and programs, what the power brings is an ability to reach the world with the gospel. And you can go back to the book of Acts, especially that story, the, the one again about the lame man, the very first thing that says is, is when, when the scribes and the Pharisees looked at these guys, he said this, it, they saw that they were ignorant men, that they were unlearned men. And then it says this, but... They recognized that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> That's what the power does. When the power of God is being manifested through you, people know that you have been with Jesus. It says in Acts 17 that when they brought these, they brought them before the Pharisees, they said, These men, these men have turned the world upside down with their gospel. They have literally turned the world upside down with their gospel. 
You see, that's what the power of God is for. That's what the power of God needs to be manifested through us for. So people, I, I was talking to Mark, my son, last night. And uh, they were up at the, he had to lead worship last night, but they went to the Let Us Worship thing there in Great Falls. And he said, Dad, I'm standing there. And he said, he had, uh, Sean Foyt had this man from Africa, I think, with the doctor or something. He started praying for people. And he said, um, first people that he prayed for were people with addictions. And he got him up front. He said, now, whatever you have in your pocket that you're addicted to, you throw it on the stage, and God's going to deliver you. And he said, I'm watching. And he said, I turned to Emily, and I said, that guy just threw a bag of meth on the, on the, on the stage. And Emily said, I, what do you mean? She said, are you sure? He goes, I, I'm, an, I'm an attorney. I throw people in jail for having this stuff, so I know what it looks like. And he said, that dude just threw a bag of meth. But see, when the power of God is manifested, it overrules and overrides everything that the enemy has and the enemy tries to do to keep us bound. And so that's what the power of God through us is supposed to do. It's supposed to release to others what will set them free. Man, i got to hurry here. But anyway, it's, uh, power of God, it doesn't come without manifestation. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, power, also fills us with the manifestations. i got to say that again. The power of God does not come without manifestation. And with the infilling of that power, when we're filled with that power, we are filled with the, those manifestations. They're inside of us. And they're doing everything they can to get loose. But the guy you see in the mirror every morning is holding them back. Because he hasn't quite figured out yet how to activate them. How to get them activated. Smith Wigglesworth said this. We are not to observe manifestations. We are to dispense them. We are not to observe manifestations. We are to dispense them. 1 Corinthians 3.18, if you look at it, it talks about God uh, coming to a place where God is moving us from glory to glory. And we have to remember something. God is not stationary. I'm going to say it again. God is not stationary. He does not stay in one place. He is always moving. The power of God is manifested in us. We won't be stationary. And we will be actually living out the manifestation of moving from glory to glory. Now, sometimes we, I, I think people sometimes get the idea that these levels of glory to glory are horizontal. That we move from glory here to glory here to glory here to glory here. But that's not the case. The levels of glory that we're going to are vertical. We go from glory here to glory here to glory here. 
And so that's, that's where God wants to take us. He's not stationary. He doesn't desire that we be stationary. When you have the power of God manifesting through here, you will not stay stationary. You'll be in a place for so long spiritually, and you'll start getting antsy. You'll start getting like, whoa, you know, I don't, I don't, got to move on, got to move forward, got to move to another level of glory. And that's the Holy Spirit power working in us because that power will not stay stationary. It's looking. It's always looking for sources. It's always looking for places to manifest. It's always looking for places to get loose. I may get this finished. Natural man cannot conceive the fullness of power. I could, we could, there are so many scriptures on this, I, I don't even know where to start. The word says that, and, and, and I guess one of the big ones is in Romans, Romans 8, where it says the carnal man cannot receive the things of the flesh because it doesn't understand them. It doesn't get it. That is why so many people have problems with the power of God and seeing it manifest because they're trying to get at it. They're trying to conceive it. They're trying to rationalize it through natural thinking, and that does not work. Your natural man will not receive it. Your natural man is, is made, again, uh, this is what Smith Wigglesworth said again. He said, the carnal life cannot be and it is not in agreement with the will and design of God. Carnality is selfish. It cannot agree because it does not believe. Your fleshly nature does not believe in the power of God. I don't care how I'm, You can sit in church every Sunday for now till Jesus comes, and your carnal man that works inside of you will not believe anything that you hear preached. You have to receive it with your spirit man. It's your spirit man that understands these things. It's your spirit man that absorbs these things. That's why the battle between the flesh and the spirit is so evident and it is so great. It's probably the, probably the biggest battle we fight is our flesh and bringing our flesh into, into subjection. I, 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 man, I've... I've come to see this so much lately because I'll hear somebody say something, you know, about something they've seen in the spirit or something here in the spirit or something here. And the first thing you want to do is go, yeah, you bet. You betcha. But man, Holy Spirit's just been slapping me upside the head and saying, listen, that's not for you to judge. If I decide that I want to I do this, this way, I'll do it this way. Your job is to receive it. Your job is to accept it. And your job is to let me do in your life what I want to do through it. No matter what it looks like. It may, it may, it may shoot every bit of theology we got right out from underneath us. But see, what we're stepping into and what we are beginning to see is the manifestation of God's power that's going to challenge our flesh. It is going to challenge our flesh. You're going to see things, and you're going to see things. And your natural man is going to go, that didn't happen. I didn't see that. Because your natural man cannot believe and will not believe God. It will not believe the promises of God. That's why we have to be flesh, and, or we have to be in the spirit. We have to live in the spirit. We have to walk in the spirit. We have to be filled with the spirit. The infilling of the spirit the infusion of divine power for one purpose. 
And that's to bring you into a realm of higher and greater fellowship with him than where you are currently dwelling. That's why he does it. He wants greater fellowship. He wants deeper fellowship. He wants more intimate fellowship with us. It would blow us clean out of the water if we could really see how much God would pour into us if we would just get out of the way and let him. It would change everything. You, you would not even look like the same person. The power and presence of God would be so f- strong on you that people would say, that, that ain't them. That's not that person I know. That's what I love about the story of Smith Wigglesworth. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to be done here. And I almost got through everything. Um, he used to preach, and his wife would preach. And she kept telling him, she's she filled with baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't. She kept telling him, hey, you got to have that. And he'd get mad at her. They'd have fights over it. And finally, he got, finally he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he got up and preached. And in, in his, uh, his biography, Ever Increasing Faith, it says that his wife said this, that's not my Smith. That's not the Smith I know. Because that's what the power of God does, see? It's a place where we cannot function. God wants to bring us into a place where we cannot function outside of his influence. He wants that power so full. He wants, to, wants it to be so much a part of us that we cannot function outside the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know, see, this, this messes this messes with your natural man because your natural man cannot even begin to conceive what this is like. To be totally so full of the Spirit that you are continually under his influence. What you say, what you speak, what you think, all of it. No human endeavor, no manipulation, no posturing position. You're simply being a receiver. That's it. You're not, you're not, you're not out to influence anybody by what you know or what you see. You're simply being a receiver and a dispenser of the Holy Spirit. It is then that we do the works he did, but only in the flow of his spirit and under his influence. So that's what God's got for us. That's what God wants for us. That's where, that's where God's taking us, guys. You better buckle your seatbelts because this, this is where we're headed. This is why Pastor Sean and Heidi are doing what they're doing in the service about letting, uh, giving room for the, for the working of the, for the Holy Spirit to work. Because I tell you, one of these times they're going to do that and it's going to go kaboom. Kaboom. And everything's going to change. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.